thanks to Lava Light for supporting this week's show. Why the name? Well, all of Lava Light's products are derived from volcanic deposits. From specialist pest control to growing media, Lava Light's products offer moisture control, nutrient boosts, and are pH neutral, helping your houseplants thrive whether you're just starting out or have bags of experience. If you're struggling with fungus gnats, Lava Light's No Gnats is the perfect 100% natural solution. If you're into cacti and succulents, try Cactus Grow. You can add it to your potting mix, use it as a top dressing, or propagate your succulents in it. For orchid fans, Orchid Grow is the perfect medium to boost the health and well-being of your flowers. And finally, Lava Light Plus is a new growing medium that's pH neutral and perfect for all your indoor plants. Visit lava-light.co.uk, that's L-A-V-A-L-I-T-E.co.uk, to find out more about what Lava Light can do for your houseplants. Lava Light, naturally the best. Welcome to On The Ledge Podcast. I've done so many episodes, I have no idea what episode number this is, but welcome to the show. In this week's On The Ledge, I'm talking about how some common household items you normally throw away can be used for your plants. Plus, I answer a question about a droopy alocasia and... We hear from Natalie in Meet the Listener. Thank you to all of you who've been adding hashtag OTL so along to your social posts. This, in case you're new to the show, is my annual seed sowing extravaganza for anyone who wants to grow houseplants from scratch, from a seed. And listeners are never-endingly adventurous in what they choose to sow. You can start with a cactus or a coleus, or you can be like leafy exotics and go for an amorphophallus peonifolius. <laughs> wow, amorphophallus is a really incredible genus. I don't know what peonifolius looks like. I'm guessing that it has peony-like leaves from that name, but well done, leafy exotics. That looks awesome. I'm just going to click follow on your Instagram because for some reason I'm not following you. And in fact, Leafy Exotics, I've just noticed, has posted loads of great seedling pictures, including some begonia species. Wow, you really are upping your game, Leafy Exotics. And I'm excited about Olive Hates Trixie on Instagram, who has got some Coffea Arabica beans, coffee beans, to germinate. And notes, the first step to my coffee plantation empire, lol. They're amazingly beautiful, those berries, actually, aren't they? I don't know how you go about germinating those. I imagine you've got to get that seed casing off, but I look forward to finding out more. Olive hates Trixie. Over on the Houseplant Fans of On The Ledge Facebook group, things have been getting busy with the Sew Along too. Chris has got some tentative good news, thinks that a Caladium Galaxy is finally coming up. Although Chris noted that it was necessary to check it wasn't just a piece of perlite. Now, I think we've all been there <laughs> with that particular problem. 
just as long as the piece of perlite doesn't turn out to be a root mealybug, because that's my worst nightmare. And Elspeth has posted a picture of an Apuntia baby. And it's a good picture, actually, because Elspeth has included a pen for scale. So you can just see how tiny these cute little Apuntia cotyledons, that's a fancy name for the seed leaves, the first leaves that emerge when a seed germinates. Ashley's been sowing lotus seeds and has been updating the Facebook page with images of them as they grow. And wow, they're a curious looking seedling, that's for sure. And I was also interested to see on a post about forest cacti that Jeff has cross-pollinated two Thanksgiving cacti, waited two years for the seed pods to ripen and has seedlings that are still pretty small at six months old. But so fascinating to see. Thanks for sharing that, Jeff, on a post by Jake about cross-pollination that is planned between a red and a pink Easter cactus could get very interesting. And finally, JB posted a lovely post about an environmental club at West Los Angeles College, and they are taking part in the OTL sew along and have got hold of some seed. Excellent news, JB, and do let us know how it's going. Thank you to Katrine, Lucy and Nick, who all became patrons this week. I've been looking at my Patreon stats and you really are a global bunch. One recent patron signed up from the Falkland Islands and another one is in Hong Kong. I just love picturing you with your plants. So thank you to everyone who has been supporting me on Patreon. And I do hope you liked the repot with me shed based episode that came out yesterday, An Extra Leaf number 89. These extra episodes, there are two of them a month for Patreon subscribers at the legend and superfan level. And I love making these extra episodes and I hope you enjoy them too. Find out more about joining the Patreon on the Ledge clan in my show notes at janeperone.com. Today, April the 22nd, 2022, is Earth Day. So I thought I'd come up with some ways you can cut down on waste by reusing stuff from your recycling bin and your kitchen cupboards on your houseplants. I don't know about you, but I love free stuff, especially when it's things that I can divert from landfill, whether that's picking things up from the household recycling centre or picking things out of my own recycling bin. So in this episode today, I'm going to tell you about some of the stuff that I use for my houseplants that cost me absolutely nada, nothing, zilch, zero, naught, and zip. And the advantage of saving a bit of money here and there is that you can spend the money you've saved on something else. Yes, uh, of course, we're all thinking more plants, aren't we? And I'm going to start out with a trio of things that you can pick out of the recycling bin and use on your houseplants. Item one, plastic spray bottles. Caveat, before I begin talking about this, I do not mist plants for the just the sake of adding some water to the leaves because it doesn't really improve air humidity. If it does, it's only for a very short amount of time. Nothing significant to change the well-being of the plant. 
But there are occasions when being able to spray a plant, for example, if you're treating them with insecticidal soap or SB plant invigorator or some other pest control spray, you do need to have some misters. And it's very tempting to go online and see these lovely brass things or... I don't know, cut glass crystal misters and all kinds of things you get. But every time I've spent money on those or sometimes been given one, I've found that they give out within a very short period of time. They get glued up, especially where I live, where the water's quite hard. So you get mineral buildup. What has worked unfailingly, however, is getting a spray bottle that used to have spray cleaner in it. The one I use is available here in the UK. It's called Method and it's a spray cleaner. It comes in various permutations, shower spray, kitchen spray, bathroom spray, etc. And provided that you wash the bottle out well, you know, rinse it with water several times and make sure you spray out the water that's in the pump so that you get rid of all that. You can refill it with your substance of choice and it works really well for spraying your house plants. I generally find these bottles last well over a year of almost daily use before they start to give up the ghost and you have to put them in the recycling, but they're great. So if you can find a, a spray bottle and reuse it, just make sure that you add a sticky label saying what's in there so you don't mix things up. It's also advisable if you're mixing up, say, uh, a concentrate of SB plant invigorator to make a note on the bottle about when you have mixed that up so you know how old it is. You don't want that kind of stuff hanging around for months on end. But in my experience, I tend to get through it quite quite quickly anyway, keeping pests at bay. My only problem these days is I've started using the cleaner fluid sachets, which you drop into an existing bottle. So I don't actually have as many empty method bottles as I used to do. Item number two, if you ever get a takeaway or go to a Chinese restaurant and get a pair of wooden chopsticks, whether you're dexterous enough to use them or whether they just sit in the paper packet, these are something that is worth putting aside rather than putting in your landfill or recycling bin because they are super, super useful for houseplant care. What do I use a wooden chopstick for? Well, there's a couple of things. You can use them as a moisture meter. So take one, plunge it without hesitation into the centre of a root ball, leave it there for about half an hour to an hour. And when you pull it out, you'll see whether that stick is bone dry and soil free or very damp and covered in soil. And that will give you a really good guide as to whether that plant needs watering or not. Obviously, if you've got a really small plant, it might be too large a tool for this. And if you've got really tiny plants, you might use a wooden toothpick instead. And you can also use said chopstick or indeed the toothpick for tiny plants for aerating the root balls of houseplants where the potting medium over time becomes a bit slumped and a bit solid. A few holes poked in with a chopstick or in the case of tiny plants, a toothpick will really help the plant to get some air into that root ball and be able to absorb more water. And the final item is plastic cups, the clear plastic kind that you might get with 
maybe an iced coffee that you buy or in the case of our household recently my daughter's really got into the bubble tea scene um, there are two bubble tea shops in my town one of them she really likes the other one she doesn't like so much and when she gets the chance to go there as a treat she gets a bubble tea now those bubble tea cups the clear plastic ones are ideal to use as plant pots very very simple if you need to add drainage if you happen to not be using a hydroponic system then you can just cut a hole very carefully in the base with a sharp knife as many holes as you need for drainage purposes. Just be careful, as they used to say on Blue Peter, make sure you have an adult in attendance, particularly if you're not feeling particularly adult on that day. If you're not sure about the pros and cons of using clear plastic pots, do go and listen to my clear plastic pot episode, which is number 194. Next up, some things that you might have lying around the house that you can use to save some cash when it comes to doing interesting things with your houseplant. And the first of those is terracotta wine coolers. Do you know what I'm talking about? They're basically a terracotta pot, but a tall, thin one. You can buy these new, but they often might be lurking in your cupboards or possibly you can pick one up in a charity shop or thrift store or junk shop. Now, they're obviously great for chilling wine, but you can also use them to set up a self-watering container for an epiphytic plant. You want this to be unglazed so that it's porous. That means that the water inside will very gradually permeate through and keep whatever plant you decide to attach to the outside damp. Now, I haven't tried this yet. I have been keeping my BDI open for one of these wine coolers in the local charity shops and it has not come up yet. Some people suggest wrapping the outside of the wine cooler in something called Hygrolon, which is a kind of wicking material that is popular with aquascapers. Some people just take moss and use fishing line to wrap that around the outside of the pot and then add tiny things like miniature orchids, bromeliads the world is your oyster i suspect this is one of these projects that is not straightforward you'd have to play around with it but i think it's certainly worth trying if you have a terracotta wine cooler that you haven't been using and a very tangential aside if you happen to keep axolotls i've also heard that these make very good axolotl hides too (laughs) the final thing that you can go hunting for are clear plastic boxes so these might be the kind of things that you get a takeaway in or if you've listened to my episode on peperomia you may remember the famous hummus pot propagation technique so any clear plastic container with a lid that you can close makes a great propagation vessel whether you're just adding a drop or two of water and you're cutting as you do for the hummus technique with your peperomia cuttings or whether you're laying down a bed of damp perlite or expanded clay pebbles at the bottom and then adding your cuttings on the top making sure that the point where you want the roots to grow is in closest contact with that damp substrate but that's not all plastic containers come in all shapes and sizes and you might be looking for a plastic container that can actually house a plant in the longer term now I'm not a great fan of the chocolate known as Ferrero Rocher, but the ambassador 
is certainly spoiling us when it comes to the packaging that this sweet treat comes in. They come in different shapes. The treasure chest box makes a nice little miniature terrarium. The flat one that's um, got one layer of chocolates and is either square or various sizes, that's a great propagation box. And you can also get a cone-shaped one, I think, which I think would make a really good cloche for putting over a plant if you've got something small, maybe something like a jewel orchid. If you don't have one of these Ferrero Rocher boxes and you don't necessarily want to rush out and buy some chocolates you don't like just for this purpose, do ask around friends and family because you'd be surprised how many people hoard this kind of stuff and never put it to any use. So ask around. You never know who might have a secret stash of Ferrero Rocher boxes just for you. And equally, if you've got glass domed cake plates or cheese containers that you just never use, well, hey, why not actually put them to daily use? You could put a range of miniature plants underneath that dome and hey, presto, you've got a beautiful looking cloche. I mean, how often do you use those kind of things? I find they sit in the cupboard and don't get used. So why not? press them into service for your plants. You'll get a lot more wear out of them. And finally, let's turn to the clothes rack. Now, if you have so few DIY skills that the idea of connecting some kind of hook to your ceiling to hang plants from is absolutely beyond the pale. Honestly, do not be ashamed if that's you, because it's also me. I am a complete DIY no-hoper. Or perhaps you live in a rental where you can't do that kind of thing. A clothes rack is a brilliant way of creating an area of hanging plants without having to go to any of that trouble. You might have one hanging around. Otherwise, they can be picked up really quite cheaply on things like Facebook Marketplace, often free or for a few quid. I'm just looking on my local Facebook marketplace and I can see an Ikea, a white Ikea one here for a tenner that looks really quite good. That one comes on wheels, so even better because you can move it around and get it to uh, a light place. And there's somebody else selling two white ones for £5. They look quite minimalist, but would certainly serve the purpose. So see what I mean? There are clothes racks out there. People are trying to get rid of them and you can get one for yourself for a very small amount. And then you've got a great set of options. You can hang plants from the main rail. If it's got a shelf underneath, you could put plants on there also. It's a heck of a lot cheaper than buying one of these things that are labelled plant stands. It's a bit like planning a wedding. As soon as you say that something's for a wedding, the price doubles. (laughs) So a wedding cake is double the price of any other cake. You know what I mean? It's the same with plant stuff. So, you know, a fancy wheeled plant stand is going to cost you a fortune. But if you can repurpose a clothes rack, it's going to save you some serious money. So those are my thrifty tips for this week. And I'd love to know what you're doing with stuff you've raked out of the recycling. Have you got some clever ideas that I haven't mentioned? Do drop me a line and tell me what you've been up to and I will share in next week's episode. And now it's time to hear from this week's Meet the Listener subject and it's Natalie from Portland, Oregon in the US. 
you get into houseplants and why? I had had some plants uh, when I grew up in New York, you know, mostly sad succulents doomed to die on Brooklyn windowsills, but I moved across the country in 2018 to Washington State and now live in Oregon. And when I moved out here, I began working on farms and in landscaping and eventually in nurseries. And I started getting into gardening in general and landscaping. And then my boss at the time gave me a Monstera borsidiana cutting and from that point on I was totally hooked and I now have I've had over a hundred plants at several points but now I've probably got about 70 give or take. What's the latest addition to your houseplant collection? The newest plant that I've gotten was a ficus quercifolia which is really really adorable it has these tiny tiny little almost maple-shaped leaves or kind of duckfoot-shaped leaves. It's kind of like a creeping fig. Um, It just grows really nicely trailing in hanging baskets or kind of creeping along the bottom of a terrarium. It's super cute, and when I saw it at the nursery that I work at, I just had to get one. Complete the sentence, I love my houseplants because... I love my houseplants because they help me to quiet my mind, whether I'm just looking at them, sitting in my plant room, or watering or repotting. They help me stay grounded in the present and not get too wrapped up in whatever other little things are going on in my life. I'm also not a terribly patient person, and I think caring for plants over the past few years and nurturing them or trying to rescue dying plants from the sale rack has helped me to become a more patient person. Who is your houseplant hero? Not to be a total suck-up, but Jane Perrone is definitely my houseplant hero. On the Ledge was the first podcast of any kind I started listening to, and I've learned an immeasurable amount over the past few years from listening to On the Ledge. And I really admire your commitment to deepening your knowledge and taking extra classes and getting certifications. And those are all things that I really want to do. And you have just given me further inspiration to do so. Name your plantagonist, the plant you simply cannot get along with. My plantagonist is absolutely Diffenbachia. There are some really beautiful cultivars out there and some people can keep them alive. I do not understand what they want to be happy. Whether it was in my house or at various nurseries, it seems like they're miserable when they're dry, they're miserable when they're wet, and mealybugs absolutely love them. And if you've pulled enough wet, goopy, rotten Diffenbachia leaves off of enough plants and then found a colony of mealybugs underneath, you too would want to banish these from your home permanently. Thank you so much to Natalie. And if you'd like to put yourself forward for Meet the Listener, and why wouldn't you? Because you are worth it. Please drop me a line to ontheledgepodcast at gmail.com and instructions will be winging their way to you. Now it's time for question of the week, which comes from Abigail, who's a new listener to the show. Welcome, Abigail. The problem comes in the shape of a big old alocasia. And the problem started when Abigail decided to repot this plant because it was wobbly and top heavy. So Abigail decided to repot into a big nursery pot and build up the soil quite a bit to add stability. But a week later, 
The leaves are now super droopy. What is going on? Abigail, I feel your pain. Alocasias can be a little bit dramatic in their ways and repotting is a time of stress for a plant when it's being moved from one environment to another. The roots are being disturbed and the plant sometimes does protest. You say that you repotted into a big nursery pot and built up the soil quite a bit. So I'm wondering how much of an upgrade that was. The reason I'm concerned is because generally speaking, it's wise to not move a plant to a really large pot when it's got a relatively small root ball. You've got to think of the ratio of root ball to the rest of the potting mix in that container. If the root ball is quite a small proportion of the overall volume in the pot, then you end up with a problem because there's not enough roots in that pot to deal with all the moisture that's there. And oftentimes that can lead to root rot. Also, generally, it's not advisable to change the depth of the plant in the pot from where it, what it was in before. So if you look at the stem, you can see where the substrate ends and the plant goes up into the air, as it were. And you generally want to keep that point the same because if the plant ends up kind of up to its neck in substrate, oftentimes that won't make it happy. But I do appreciate your concern because... Obviously, this plant was top heavy and not very stable. I can see from your pictures that the plant does have some new small leaves growing in. I suspect that those really large alocasia leaves, I'm not exactly sure which alocasia you've got there, but it's one of the huge leaved ones. I suspect that those big leaves might be doomed. I hate to tell you this, but I think that the new leaves that are coming in look really healthy. And so hopefully, given lots of light, and that is a really good factor, you need lots of light for this plant. Given lots of light, I think it will be okay. There's not much you can do about those leaves. If they become droopy, they may well end up dying back. But the new hope is in those new leaves for you. It may be worth just having a little bit of a fossic around the top of the pot and making sure that the neck of the plant is not buried too deeply. This isn't usually a major problem for alocasias, but it's, it might be worth just checking on that. And depending on how far down the line you are with it now, maybe even just reducing the size of the pot would probably help a bit. Abigail, you do say that you've moved the plant from the kitchen into the bathroom to have some more light window plus grow light and humidity to see if that helps. Yep, that certainly will help if you've got a grow light on it. And with any luck, this plant will perk up before long. Just maximise that light if you can without burning the plant. Just gradually build it up. The more light you can give that plant, the better it will do. I hope that helps, Abigail. And if you've got a question for On The Ledge, drop me a line on the ledge podcast at gmail.com. Ahead 
heads up before I go, I am going to be doing an upcoming episode on various new, in inverted commas, because uh, they're not really new to be honest, new houseplants, one of which is Geogenanthus ciliatus. So if you've had experience growing Geogenanthus, this is a purple-leaved member of the Comilinaceae family, the Tradescantia family, I'd love to hear from you your experiences how you found that plant so do let me know but for now that's all for this week's show whatever you're up to this week remember before you care for your plants make sure you're caring for yourself bye you heard in this week's podcast was Roll Jordan Roll by the Joy Drops The Road We Used to Travel When We Were Young by Kumiku Chiefs by Jazar and Plantation by Jason Shaw and the ad music was Whistling Rufus by the Heftone Banjo Orchestra All tracks are licensed under Creative Commons Visit the show notes for details Music